This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neo Modern, and Grumpy Old Man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Suzanne. Hey, Ruben. How you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you're, you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You look like you're finally home. You've been. I here. am. I am. I'm back in San Francisco, and I am. It is Memorial Day weekend, and so there's mm. an extra day in everyone's sort of uh, calendar to relax and I don't know, do the things you do. I guess like barbecues are sort of on demand and uh, being outside and going on walks and runs and things like that. I've mm. seen so many people running walks and runs. That's not my, and, and the like, well, we were walking to the bakery. So I don't think it really counts as like an exercise. I mean, there was no, movement included, mm. but there was a lot of runners out. I felt mm. very inspired to be more sporty. Oh, I'm heading over to Danny's. I'm going over. Oh, nice. It's well, we have, a, I was about to say, I'm not really doing anything this weekend, but now that I'm saying that it's like, well, I am going over. Uh, yeah, I told you I picked up the bass. Did I tell you that? No, you didn't. I'm pretty lousy, but it's fun to be, be a beginner at something again for the first time in a while. So that's great. Well, I tried drums and you know, that's hard. The bass is like the crayon of instruments. Like you can, even if you're not, it's like a big, thick marker, you know, you can, <laughs> you don't have to be that good. In fact, less is more you know, with a bass. So you just kind of. I don't know. You don't have to do much. And if you get better, then it's better. But if you're not that good, you can still hold it, hold it together. So really just standing on stage, being there is, is almost enough to start. You just don't even have to touch it. You can just, just be there. You feel like a rock star. That's how moral support. (laughs) So that's been pretty fun. And yeah, it's Memorial day. So there's barbecues and stuff. So, um, and what else can I tell you? I've been I'm sort of psyching up for uh, my in-person workshop in Santa Fe in August. Right. And I hope people, I don't know if you've seen on Instagram, I've been starting to do what they call promotion, mm-hmm. uh, telling people <laughs> that I'm doing a workshop and it's, <laughs> that's been fun. It's usually how promotion works. It is. You tell people like, stuff. I don't like promoting. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you have to, I guess, but I'm not really a fan of it. And so I just sort of bit the bullet and started putting stuff out there, but it, I think it is, it is good. I think it'll be a great workshop. And I actually heard there's another place in upstate Wisconsin where there is a, like a retreat center. And they invited me to teach a photo workshop over there as well. It, next, this is for next, next summer. And I'm actually kind of excited about that. I went to summer camp up in Northern Wisconsin. So I'm uh, very excited about that and teaching a, another kind of haiku workshop for our friends in the Chicago and the greater, you know, Midwest areas. Great Lakes area. Yeah. We're right up on Lake Superior. Uh, it's in Bayfield, which, you know, as I a know camper, well. you, you know, Bayfield well. Yes. We used well, to go well camping. Oh my goodness. We used to go camping there every year um, on Madeline Island. <gasps> yes. It's right there. Well, I would go on trip. I've gone camping out on like Oak Island and Devil's Island which are farther out and less populated. Yeah. But, uh, wow. That's so. I didn't Devil's know. Island has terrible flies. That's all I remember about it. It does have terrible. Like really right. mean horse flies. They're horrible. It's a They're terrible are. thing. <laughs> it takes all the fun out of, and then you jump in the water and the water is freezing. So you yeah. have that, that you have the flies or the. But it's very picturesque. Yeah. What is it? It's very picturesque. Like it, it's really a yes. beautiful, um, a beautiful part of the country. Well, picturesque is, um, 
maybe a nice segue. Let's talk, get into photography. I was, going, I was trying. I was, I was <laughs> no, getting us did. there, inching, inching closer. I, I appreciate We have a guest today. <laughs> I, we do have a guest. Well, I was, I'm a fan of Elizabeth Daniels on Instagram and, mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't, I mean, of course she's a real person, but I'd never met her. And, you know, my favorite thing about the podcast is I can reach out to photographers who I think are cool. And so I invited Elizabeth to join us. So Elizabeth, this is Suzanne, Suzanne, Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. Absolute pleasure to meet you. Very nice to meet you. And you're in Los Angeles? I am in Los Angeles. Um, Where are you in LA? I'm in Santa Monica. Oh, nice. So kind of near the ocean so I can walk to the the beach, which is really nice. That is really nice. A lot of people are on the east side and um, they don't usually get to the beach. Yes, I was in... I was in Beechwood Canyon and, uh, you know, by the Hollywood sign up on Holly Ridge. And, uh, yeah, I never didn't even know there was a beach in Los Angeles. It was, it took one after a couple of years, it took a clear day. And I was like, look at, what is that? I think that's the ocean. (laughs) I never, never seen it out there. So let me sort of back up here a little bit. You are an architectural photographer. Is that your specialty right now? Cause you seem to have a lot of stuff you do, but is that your work? Yes. That's what I mainly do. I mean, I do that for a job, um, but I do editorial also. Uh, if that's needed somewhere, uh, sometimes the New York Times would hire me uh-huh. for and to do portraits or, you know, whatever. Uh, but uh, and I shot the I shot the protests. I saw that. That scared me because uh, you know people were things were shooting in front of you also as you were shooting yeah. pictures. Yeah. What was that? What was that like? Well, actually, you know what? Let's back up a second. How did you, who are you? How did you get to where you are and, and how we found you? Like, do you, can you give us a little background? Like starting from where? How about where, why did you pick up a camera? How's that? Okay. Okay. So that's like really early. Okay. So both of my grandfathers were um, amateur photographers. One of them was in World War II in the Pacific, and he actually was a war photographer. And the other one was an eye, ear, nose, and throat doctor, and he made his own movies with a Bolex and also had this Leica, and he was very prolific with it. So I have all these movies from him that I still haven't done anything with, except there's one that he shot at the Guggenheim that they used for their like anniversary, and they ran it on their stuff, which was cool because it's of my grandmother and my mom and her sisters out the Guggenheim, like when it first opened. So that was cool. Oh, he, he, he like with the Bolex, they went everywhere. They were like early travelers. Um, they were based out of Chicago, but they went, they have films from like Japan. They were some of the first people to travel to Japan, like for, as tourists. And it's wow. just why I have all these, all these films of his on super eight. So, um, yeah, so that, um, that is how I started. He gave me his Leica when I was in um, high school. My other grandfather nice. gave me a ca- actually. My other grandfather gave me a camera when I was when I was that age. That's Aww. the camera around my neck. She's showing us a oh, Polaroid. Uh, yes, a Polaroid of her as a tiny tot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was five. Five. Yeah. Wow. So I was very lucky to have those grandfathers who gave me their cameras and kind of gave me that love of photography. Did they uh, teach you anything? I mean, they gave you the tools, but did they, did you talk about photography? Was it a conversation? 
with the one grandfather that was shooting the movies also, it was, um, yeah, I don't know. Actually, like now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure. I think it was more just being around them mm-hmm. and knowing what they had done and knowing like, you know, I mean, my grandfather that was in the war didn't talk about it very much. It was kind of like a secret, but he always had like the spy camera that he always like let me use. And then that other camera, that brownie that he gave me. And so anyway, I don't know, but did, uh, yeah. Did anyway. you look at the photos that they took? I mean, obviously, was it like a family time when they would come back from a trip and ever and they'd sort of share the movies that they made? So you'd be seeing them live or how did you get to see what they had done? Well, with my grandfather from the war, it was a secret. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really see. So he took pictures of me and my grandmother oh, wow. uh, and my dad. And um, but he kind of came back from the war, like not too well mentally. Mm-hmm. But, like um, my other grandfather was constantly shooting. And so I think that my father, whose father went to the war, he picked up photography also. So I saw a lot of photography from my father too. Mm-hmm. Oh, very cool. I, they had slideshows all the time. Like they've traveled extensively and would come back and have slideshows. So I, from when I was very little, like we would have slideshows. Mm-hmm. Like I love that. There was always that like one picture when he was like, looked like a hippie and was smoking like an American like flag you know and, like, <laughs> that, like one picture in there of every slideshow that you're like what is that you know <laughs> how did that get in there excuse me <laughs> yeah but like yeah it was fun it was fun it was like family slideshows we we did it with this other family a lot too because they traveled with this other family a lot and um, oh. yeah so that's how it started and I was lucky enough to go to um this school that had a dark room so from the age of 12, I was sort of told by my parents to pick something and get really good at it. Hmm. Like as the sort of secret to like that, the life hack like uh-huh. thing and get really good at it, you know? And I, I was also in this prep school that was hardcore. And so like, I just went to the dark room and stayed there. So I went to all girls school here. And you took a picture of Annie Leibovitz when you were a teenager. Is this, did I read that correctly? Yes. When I was in high school, I actually had this four by five that I borrowed from the photography department at my high school. And, and I went around and shot people that I thought were cool. And yeah. I would, how old was that? It was like seventh, eighth, ninth grade, maybe. Oh my gosh. So, so like, 14 or 15. 14, yeah. Like I think I was barely driving. And then I, I think with the Annie Leibovitz one, I think I must've been 16 because I was driving. Um, cause I went there myself. I remember. Wow. But, um, but yeah, like I shot my biggest thing that I shot was an Amy Leibovitz. It was a negative that I mixed the stop and the developer up because mm. I was so excited about it. It was Philip Glass sitting next to Allen Ginsberg. Wow. It was doing this thing called Hydrogen Jukebox at UCLA. And I dragged, my father helped me, I dragged this enormous box with the four, four by five in it, like to the thing and had them like, I Cause I was so little, like back then, like you could get people to do shit. Cause like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And nobody was shooting pictures back then. Like sure. it was like, there, nobody had a phone, you know? Yeah. And, and, and the, even if they had a, even if they had a camera, they didn't have a four by five. Like that's a no. serious camera a to serious, see a kid with like, that. Set it up with the thing over your head, <laughs> and the whole thing, you know? Okay. And you know, Phil Glass was really cool to me. Helen Ginsburg, who I worshiped even then was kind of, he was kind of a dick actually. <laughs> but, what like, happened? but like, I think that he just like, 
I think he's just like got that personality of just like, he's just kind of like abrasive. They but say I never, still, never meet your heroes. That's never what meet your heroes. But I still love his work. Mm-hmm. And like, I was so excited to see that picture and I never got to recreate it. And it's, it's like, but I do have the memory of having them sit for me and whatever. So that was the best picture I took that never, never came out, whatever. That's a lesson. <laughs> you don't ever do anything when you're really tired. If you're actually running film and developing it yourself, you got to chill before. Cause I was, I was too excited. Um, <laughs> I got home that night and like was doing the stuff in like my closet, whatever. Anyway. So, um, oh, yeah. she's the fixer yeah. instead of the developer. That's oh my God. It was just like, you know, there was a, there's a book and I don't have it sitting here called like the greatest pictures that never happened from a a series of great photographers telling that story, telling the story of the thing they didn't have film in the camera, the moment they used whatever fixer as a developer. And it's a funny, it's a funny book. You could probably contribute to that. Yeah. You know, I worked on something with a photographer who had, um, his name is Glenn Luckford. He's a fashion photographer. And he, he basically had this flood and the flood like ruined all these negatives of his. And then he made a book out of those negatives and it's, I bought it. It was, it's a beautiful book. And so it's kind of like that mistake that sort of like turned into something beautiful with this. Like, I don't have anything from it, but the memory sort of like did push me along to shoot other people. So like, even though it didn't really work out the way I would have liked it to, I still do you know, did that, I did that before I shot Annie Leibovitz. So like with Annie Leibovitz, that picture, I went to Book Soup, which is this like indie bookstore, mm-hmm. which I actually ended up working at after college. Cool. Um, and I shot her doing a book signing and they, she had all these drag queens around her, like after the book signing that wanted to hang out with her and like all that. And I waited till everybody got their time. And then I asked her and she actually helped me set the camera up because I was having some problems. And she like so cool. did this like thing with her hands where she covered her face, which I've seen her do in other pictures actually, but she, uh, she was cool to me. She was really cool to me. And I, I've heard things about her that she's tough on her assistants and all that. So I was really, I'm really grateful still. To I would this love day. to see that picture. Do you have that picture around? I do have that picture. Around. I would love to see that yeah. picture. That's so oh cool. God. It reminds me, Annie Leibovitz has a picture of, I think Meryl Streep where she's doing something over her face kind yeah. of moving yeah. her face yeah as an actress maybe she's being malleable but it makes me think of that not having seen it but that's where i was she's going like this she's going like this and then she's showing me her whole face so i have like three you know i actually wrote my college applications on that picture all of my college applications except for the ones that were like for the for the ucs mm. like i actually printed that picture out and hand wrote all my college application essays on that picture. So my college application essay was shooting Annie Leibovitz with War by Five. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'll have to tell you my college application picture story someday. The short, the very short version of it is that the essay question for, for the school said, use the space below to give us a complete picture of you as possible. And so not feeling like I would get in, I smeared emulsion on the application and I shot a picture of myself basically naked. And that was my, what I sent in. Nice. That worked. That worked. I bet it did. That sounds yes. cool. Yeah. But it wasn't Annie Leibovitz, but you Wait, know. So is that because there's no porn now? Because how old were you? Like? <laughs> were you like totally naked? I was wearing a fig leaf. It was, uh, okay. I had a okay. little bit of modesty there. I was told that it's, it was on the wall of the admissions committee for the next 20 years. 
How's that, that for fun? So yeah. Cool. So was it, it was like black and white, obviously. And, and I'd solar, I'd solarized it. I'd been doing special effects. I'd been studying with, you know, Jerry Yulesman. It was sort of my mentor. Oh, wow. And so what I'd originally thought I was going to do was superimpose myself into that plastic model called the visible man. You know, it's a little model kit of the human body and it's pla- kind of clear plastic. And so I was trying to have my hands in that position and I was going to put myself in the visible man, but I couldn't get my arms at the right angle. And I ended up just solarizing the out the exterior area of that. And uh, we could have a whole show on college applications, maybe. <laughs> Although I'll be honest, these are the two most interesting stories I've ever heard. Well, so here we are. Yeah. Let's see what else we get. <laughs> but, but keep going. So you, so you actually applied to college with photography as sort of your, you know, agenda, right? Yeah. So like I went to this high school prep school that was hardcore and um, they told me because I was an A minus B plus student that I wasn't going to get in anywhere. My senior year it went co-ed and like we had all been all girls up to that point and all the boys were told they were going to get into like Harvard, you know, and uh, it was funny because so I applied to 13 colleges, but the only like I was intense when I was younger and like I was also Push, like not pushed hard but like I was in a prep school and it was gnarly so I only wanted to go to Brown because RISD was next door like I wanted to go to RISD to, to take the photography and have that next door and not just go to art school because that what I thought also there was a girl that I kind of worshipped that had started this thing called the hunger committee at at my high school and she fed all these homeless people and like I worshiped her because she had been class president and like had done all these amazing things, whatever. And she had gone to Brown. And so I was like, if I don't get into Brown, I'm going to die. Did you go to to Brown? I did go to Brown, but like it was- That's where Ruben went. I went to Brown. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) What year were you? 85. Oh my God. What are you? That's so funny. I'm 96. 96. Of course, it's the only school that we- (laughs) (laughs) The only the way would is, is that the where they put the college application on yeah. the wall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, that's amazing. Huh. So I just that girl that I just told you about, her name is Justine Stamen, and she just wrote me on she wrote me an an email that said she's at her thirtieth reunion right now, and I'm seeing like pictures on Instagram. Scroll at her thir- so she's at Brown right now, and I'm like take lots of pictures. So I'm, see- I'm seeing the uh, re- the graduation stuff right now. Are you really? Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, so she's got her 30th and she's older than me, like a little older than me. It's like I said, I but younger like but she younger than me. I was in high school. Mm. <laughs> she didn't know. She was like a celebrity to me. Yeah. So did you end up you went to Brown? Did you end up taking stuff at RISD? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Except yeah, I did, I took a lot of crit classes and cried walking up the hill a lot because they were only <laughs> <laughs> I had my first show at List at the List Art Center. It was the first really? time I'd shown my pictures anywhere. Yeah. You had a solo at List? Yeah, but come on. We That's were cool. Kids. Well, I, I, had show, I had a picture in a show at List and somebody stole it off the wall. At least they liked it enough. That- yeah, yes. <laughs> but that's the only experience at List I have. That's where I took art history. Did you, what did you? I took uh, neuroscience. I studied neuroscience. Okay. Well, I know. But, well, you know, I got to say, my parents did not, I was raised around photography, but they were highly encouraging me to do anything, but I think. But so I don't know anything about you 
Suzanne, I knew nothing about you either. Like, I really did not do any research. I'm so sorry. No, no, no you're no, not interviewing. This wants to interview you. Like, uh, tell, me, tell me who you guys are. Like, what do you, what is this about? Like, I don't even know. You, know, you want to start out. You want to tell, you want to tell uh, I mean, well, this show actually started, um, well, the, the whole backstory is the show started because Ruben's son was going to school in LA. And so he had written a book um, that happened to be featured in his son's kind of curriculum for school. And his son was was like, well, I don't have time to read it. So Ruben had offered to kind of record the book, like an audio book, so he, he could listen to it. He liked doing that so much. He decided, you know, he's like, you know what? I obviously like photography. I want to talk more about photography. And he and I were um, meeting a bunch of friends and we were talking about it. And I love going into this sort of like Terry Gross mode. I love asking questions and just finding out about people's stories. And so I had started asking, we, we were talking and he's like, Hey, um, so here's the thing. Um, I want to do this podcast. Here's kind of the background and we need a, a soundproof, like or the, the space I'm recording in is my closet. Would you want to, uh, record with me. And I was like, yeah, sure. And then I get there and I realized it's not a walk-in closet. It's like a side closet. So I think I'm the only one small enough to fit in the closet with him um, to record. And that's where we recorded probably the first season, first two seasons, I think of the show. We the original knee, premise was- knee, We were knee to knee, you know? It was, it was very close. In the beginning too, I think we had to share a microphone, right? We did. And um, the clothes are hanging. It's not like we emptied the closet out. The clothes are like around us. But, but, but Suzanne, you're missing, like I was looking for a photographer to do a podcast with. And I'd been talking to professional photographers and every- I was getting there. Yes, yes, you keep know, going. <laughs> but, I, but, you know, Suzanne was like, I don't think you want a professional photographer. Like as I run into her, she's like, you want someone who wants to learn about photography, who wants, <laughs> who's like a creative person, but not a photographer. And then you can kind of talk about, I was like, yeah, actually that's right. And so, and she fit in the closet. So the job is <laughs> the two requirements. No, I, I am. And I, for me, it's, I am, I'm a creative director, but I am not a, I'm not a photographer. I appreciate photography. I feel like I have a, you know, a, a kind of a critical eye. I can see, I can see a lot of things and I love interpreting them, but it's not a place I've ever sort of felt comfortable in. I, I also have realized as we've been talking to a lot of photographers and, um, just individuals over the years that I have a hard time sort of stopping. And I think the, the, the key is actually sort of slowing down and being able to uh, kind of breathe in the space and, and wait, almost like wait for the picture. Um, one of the expressions I've sort of said over the course of the show is you have to wait to make it great because it's sort of, it doesn't just come right away and you move on. And actually back to you, Elizabeth, you'd said something in an interview about you often take off your shoes when you are photographing and you're in, um, you're in these sort of architectural spaces. Can you talk a little bit about that and sort of how long do you actually spend when you're in, uh, when you're in a space until you sort of feel like you've gotten you've gotten the shot. Is she a pro or what? Come on. <laughs> you just turn that right back on to me, huh? Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> um, places like the Salk Institute, where mm -hmm. I think I was talking in that interview about it, places like that, if I can get as much time as I can in those places, I will take the whole day and I want to be alone if possible to have the experience of experiencing the architecture just like the way the architect might have seen the building in his mind or probably his mind because it's mostly men who built those buildings. But um, yeah, I think that as much time as I can get in places like that makes me connect more with what's around me. Like 
I would love to start in the morning and go all night, like if possible. Um, you know, go back if possible also. Like for, for the Ennis house, I got to go back like 10 times to go shoot that in every which way, which was oh, cool. Wow. That so resonates with me because it's actually the way I prefer to shoot people. Like I can't just sit down and shoot them. I want to spend all day, all lighting, natural lighting conditions and just be with them, get to know them, uh, yeah. them relax a lot more around a camera. And in the same way, I'm not taking off my shoes, but like that same feeling of just, you don't want to rush into this. You need to kind of mm. connect first. And- well, and I think that sounds intuitive when you're talking about a person, you know, like the, to get them to relax. But I actually love this idea of having that connection um, with the building, with our, with architecture. Mm-hmm. And for, mm-hmm. for people that aren't familiar, I mean, the Salk Institute was designed by Louis Kahn. So it's uh, not San Diego proper, but what is, it's the city above San Diego, but it was- La Jolla? Oh, is it in La Jolla? It is La Jolla. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was when I had first gone, when I said it was in La Jolla. Um, so it's <laughs> not La Jolla, uh, but mm-hmm. in La Jolla and it, it overlooks the Pacific ocean. And so he's, he's created this sort of seam down the center where there's this really beautiful, almost, it's not a fountain really, but it's kind of this cut. And then he's done, he'd done a lot and sort of revolutionized um, how do you get light down to lower levels? And so he sort of created these sort of um, light wells next to the building. And the way that he faced everything is, uh, was just, was incredibly um, revolutionary for architecture wow. at the time. But you when you photograph it, I, I, I actually did study this building in school mm. and I, and I went there as well. And I just, that's why I think when I read Elizabeth's interview uh, or another interview and talking about just being there all day and seeing the light change, it really, it, it completely transforms it. It, it looks so different in the morning than it does in, in the evening. Yeah. So how did you end up in architect? Like, can we continue this, the segue into it's, it's a quite a leap from college to shooting buildings right? Is it a love of architecture? Was it a job opportunity? Like, how did you get there? Oh, I was, I was, no, it was a lot of failure, actually. Um, There was lots of failure. Um, So out of college, I curated a collection. I had worked for the Getty in high school, first and then for the department of photographs and then worked for them. And then I got a job through them with a private collector who had, who was actually the the guy who, who is the producer of the James Bond movies, um, Michael G. Wilson, who's Barbara Broccoli's stepbrother. So that together they produced the, so he had unlimited resources to buy photography and was friends with the Weston Neff, who was the curator of photographs at the Getty and they would compete. Weston would send him to, to bid on um, auctions for the Getty and, and Michael started collecting from the seventies. So he has one of the largest collections of antique photographs in the world. Wow. Um, we've moved them all to England. So they, but they used to be in the storeroom in Topanga in a bomb shelter that was a converted bomb shelter. So if, cause there's fire danger there or whatever. And there was like Calvitz, like everything from the beginning of photography up, like yeah. Julia Mark Cameron's and all these stuff. So I took care of those pictures for five years, you know, whatever. And then I hand carried the most delicate ones to blending because they, wow. they, they made a place for them there and then um, had no job <laughs> and then decided I wanted to be a fine art photographer. I put air quotes around that because that is an impossible, like, forget it. Like at that age, especially like basically I'm like dilettante around and then ran out of money and don't like, you know, started working weird jobs and like, you know, 
basically like failed for 10 years doing nothing, trying to shoot celebrities and trying to shoot this and that. And like nothing worked. Like I was just dead in the water and watching my, watching my other friends who are working for stuff like actually happen, but I wasn't really putting in the work too. So like I had this sense of entitlement, like I went to college. So like, I should just be given a job. You know, like I had this weird entitlement going on. Anyway, it was a big period of growth for me. My twenties and my thirties were rough. Man. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I was starting to work, like it got worse and worse. And then I was working like, um, I was like, you know, like Apple one, like doing those, like, um, you know, typing things. And then I was working at a desk at a yoga studio. And finally, like, I just, I, I finally talked to some of my friends cause I never asked for any favors. And I finally asked, does anybody know anybody that needs a photographer? Cause I never thought I was going to pick up a camera again. It's like 10 years of like nothing. And uh, except for my own little things on the side, whatever. And this guy Lockhart Steele, who I'd gone to Brown with, had started Curb Draft and Eater, which were these blogs. Eater Whoa. Still- <laughs> yeah. And it was the beginning of Curb Draft and Eater. And they couldn't pay me. They paid me like $25 a shoot. Um, and I was working, I worked basically for like eight years. I worked every single day. I shot restaurants every single day for like eight years. I'm not even kidding like they took down all the pictures when it transferred over to Vox like they had like legal stuff with the MLS or whatever and they took down all the pictures but I've got hundreds of thousands of pictures of restaurants and chefs so like I shot fashion um restaurants portraits and then and then architecture for curb right so that's how I started to do that like it was out of desperation for not not finding anything else and I started where I would go out and people wouldn't know what curbed was wouldn't know what eater was they were like you know um and it got bigger and bigger which was great that's Um, why you know Los Angeles so well you just yeah I mean growing up here I didn't know I you know I went to high school and the Sheets Goldstein hangs right above my high school and I had no idea it was in up there but I was there for six years I didn't know it was hanging over there so yeah so it was an amazing experience to be able to like roll around the city that much and see that like now, like after a couple years of COVID, like I've been very COVID careful and like, I've been very isolated. I've been lucky enough to do that. And, um, thinking about my life when I worked for it's, I'm really glad I got all that life in there. Like, like I've got this, Oh my God, I should show you this. I've got this, I still, I'm really bad at keeping in touch with people, but from those years, I've got this like bowl of business cards <laughs> from those years, oops. And uh, yeah, so like, you know, it was great just meeting people and going all over the city and stuff. It was, it was really hard work, but it was really fun. One of the things I love about your Instagram feed and architecture is your it's, it's so decisive. Like you get, you give like kind of like one shot of a, I mean, maybe sometimes two, but it's just like, you sort of have, you've selected one shot of something you've, you've, you know, been shooting. How do you select that one? Like, how are you able to be that decisive? It's like, it comes down to like, it comes down to like the shapes really. And like, it's, it's the composition, Mm -hmm. but I also kind of like how it looks on the grid. Like if you look at it, it's the whole yeah. grid. I kind of yeah. like how it looks on the grid. And he was saying that like taken together, the pictures sometimes are better than individually. And so like for the Instagram, it's just been a nice way to like, it's almost like puzzle pieces in there. Yeah. But with the one pictures, like what I'm doing is different. I think 
a little bit than what other people are doing with architectural photography because I shoot a lot, but then I go in and I just like with Photoshop and I make it exactly how I think the architect would want it to look like. Like okay. I really make it so it looks like it felt when I was there. So like, it's not so much that I'm manipulating the pictures. I'm trying to get it exactly what I saw when I was there. And oftentimes like I'll do things to it. Sometimes I won't, like, it mm -hmm. just depends on what, like a lot of people like do out with like sandwiching pictures and all that stuff. And like, I go in there and I just really work on every little tiny piece just to make sure it looks exactly how it should. Like fixing a plant or like, what do you mean by that? Okay. So there's the DWP building. I remember this, like the DWP building, I took out some lights so that I could actually see the building, some lamp posts. And like, you know, at first and okay. So, okay. I don't know how to explain this because I used to think like the, the guy who trained me was that I used to want to be a magnum photographer. So like, that was my big thing when I was younger. Right. And I was lucky enough to meet Leonard Freed, who was a magnum photographer. And he used to take me, I became friends with him and he took me around and he would literally, what? Yeah, like, what is that? that? That's that Leonard Freed of the kid with oh, yeah. gun. Yeah. You know? yeah. He's, he's, he was amazing. Oh, I have a picture of him right here. Um, he, he was amazing. And, um, he, but he would, he would absolutely hate what I'm doing in Photoshop. <laughs> like he was such a purist and take one picture, don't take too many pictures. And like, you know, like, he, he was very, and I do that on the street. Like when I did that, when I shot the protest, if I was doing photojournalism, which I do know how to do, which I thought was my calling when I was younger, mm -hmm. um, that I, I don't mess with those pictures. Mm -hmm. But with the architecture, I try to think of what the architect would want and also how I felt was when I was in the space. So I'm creating something. And a Ansel Adams did that. You know, he, yeah. he's also trying to create how he felt. He's, even though I would say it's a generally pure seeing, he would, yeah. if he had Photoshop, he would have done exactly the same thing to get, he, you know, there's lots of examples of him doing stuff to kind of tweak it up more than just regular post-production. He's cleaning up his negatives a little bit. Yeah. So I get that. Yeah. I had a hard time switching to digital um, and I felt weird about it. I actually had an argument here. I'm going to start my name dropping. Um, I had a, I had an argument with Bram Nash when I was really young. I saw him at a gallery and he started this thing called Nash, Nash Edition. Yeah. And he and I had literally, I was a small, like, I was like a kid who like was just had so much attitude. I had an argument with him about how it was never going to go digital and everything should be pure <laughs> and this and that. And like, I was so angry about it and so self-righteous. And now I'm like, don't even shoot film anymore. It's just I, so funny. <laughs> I, I will say for our audience, Nash Editions, well, Graham Nash from the, the band Crosby Stills Nash, he really pioneered inkjet printing, you know, to, to have digital uh, fine art quality prints from digital files wasn't done before him. Like he really kind of got that going commercially and made it possible for all of us to, to sit with our Epson printers and whatever to make, to make prints. So yes, he was right. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that show was the Nan Golden show at Shoshana Wayne Gallery in Santa Monica. And I really wish I'd bought one of those prints. <laughs> that would have been very wise. <laughs> that was a mistake. Yes. <laughs> but so that that was the scene. You know, there, that thing about growing up in LA is that my parents had a lot of interesting friends and I would go, they they took me to do some interesting things, like see, you know, movies like with boobs in them. <laughs> You know, and like, oh, those movies, foreign yeah. language films and like things like that. And like, 
you know, they had some interesting gallery owning friends. And like, I was lucky they weren't in the arts, um, but my mom was like, had an anthropologist. She was an anthropologist. Like they had some interesting people in their life. I was, I was an only child. I am an only child. So I was exposed to that stuff, like, and didn't have anybody to play with. So like, I was kind of forced to like, like choose my own adventure kind of thing when I was in those situations. Um, funny. Do you have, like, do you have a, like a, an, a philosophy or an ethos or something? Like, can you identify your pictures from other pictures? Like what you're going oh, for? Like, what would yeah, you, how would you I, describe that? I would say that like, I can see, I can like some, like my memory's really bad and I've shot so many pictures and they, they've been disseminated all across the internet for so long because of, because of Eater and Curbed and the MLS and like, they're just, they're everywhere and they're, they don't have my name next to them. It's so, they propagate it. I mean, Yelp has, is mostly my, I feel like Yelp in LA is my name. <laughs> it used to be, not anymore probably, but like, um, yeah, I can always see even from the early ones because it's just, it's the framing and how I, it's like, I, like, honestly, this sounds so weird, but like, I, 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 okay, I'm going to say it. It's like, honestly, like the camera for me is a tool of like expressing how I'm feeling. Like from when I figured out that I could do that, then I could capture like a moment that I would remember the feeling of instead of just like the moment for myself. Um, that was when I realized that I could use photography as an expressive medium, as opposed to just something that was, that was capturing a memory. So like the first picture that did that for me was a picture that I took in Russia when I was very young in 1990. And it had like these big snow things on the camera and the soldier. And I was super depressed and I was with my class like from high, junior high school. And I was alone. I was always on these trips, these group trips. I was always like a loner and just like didn't fit in. And like, I just felt like I was going to cry. And then I saw this thing and I captured this and this picture captured exactly how I was feeling. And when I saw the picture, I knew exactly what it was. And that was it for me. I was, that was it. I was sold. Um, Don't you think that there's something about photography that really is nice for loners, for introvert, extrovert kinds of, it's a way of participating and sort of not participating. Like you're there, but you're not there. And yeah, I'm so much, I'm so much like cooler when I have a camera in my hand. Totally. It's so much easier for me to deal with people. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not even a power thing for me. Cause like, I try not to, I don't, I, you know, I used to have to shoot cocktail parties and stuff for money and like stuff like that. It's my least favorite thing to do. I don't want to like use it for a power position. I just, it more for me, like, makes me try to grab moments that I'm feeling. And even with people like, like you said, when you're taking a portrait, it's like, you want to spend time with, you want to get to know the person. And even if you have only a few minutes, like it's a way to connect with somebody. Um, so I don't know. That's just, I don't know what that, I don't even know. What no, but I know, I know what you're saying. And I, yeah, I, I get that. Have you ever taken a photo of someone that you're, that you love that you're like, this is them. Like, this is, this is like, I feel like I'm really seeing them, but that they didn't like, or that you didn't even want to, perhaps you didn't even want to show them because you felt like they wouldn't see it the same way. No, Hmm. I've taken pictures of everybody I love. And I know the one picture that captures them, each one of them for me, Mm -hmm. and I've never had one of them not like it. Oh, good. 
It's great. It's, it's, yeah. Sometimes there's a risk that there's yeah. a risk that they're not flattered in some way that sometimes when people yeah. want to be photographed, they have an expectation of being, I don't know, flattered. And sometimes yeah. the truth is not flattered, even though, you know, this is them and this is beautiful. They feel like, oh, I don't look, that's not my, or like my nose looks terrible yeah, or something it, like that. And but you're like, like, are you kidding? You look great. <laughs> I'll you- I tell you, like, you know, I learned this from being in an all girls school where girls were really mean. Um, I, I know myself with people. And when I think somebody's beautiful, it's because when I think one of my friends is beautiful, it has nothing to do with really what they look like mm-hmm. and I see the beauty in them. And usually I can grab that. So the people usually really like the people around me usually really like the pictures I take with them because I feel like I can capture that that moment of like their beauty or whatever, whatever, even if it's not traditional beauty or whatever. So like, I feel like there's some soul in there, like in that portrait. And I don't think it happens all the time, but I can think of all the people I've really loved. I was thinking about one point making a wall of pictures of all the people I've really loved that I've taken portraits of. I used to do it with the Hasselblad. Those were my favorite way to do a portrait. And um, I have all these square pictures of what black and white pictures, color pictures are all these of, of almost everybody you know, I've ever loved. Um, one picture for each of them, sometimes three, if it's like a series or whatever, but um, yeah, I've pretty much captured everybody. That's fun. And, That's nice. like so, and talking about pictures on your wall, I mean, you have some really beautiful pictures on your wall. Can you tell us what you have hanging? Wait, I want to be more specific than that. Can I? Yes, I would like please. to know what you have hanging that you didn't take. I want to know I what's- you didn't take any of this so what what, that's what we'd like to know what's inspiring you every day that's out that is on your walls okay so uh this is a roger fenton from my michael wilson years um from my collecting years i did collect this one thing i didn't have a lot of money but i collected one thing i bought at you know one of those something he was buying at and it i still have it it's a group of montenegrins and it's in that window, there's a little guy poking out and it showed me how to take better pictures of people um, and group pictures. So that was a really important picture for me. That one is when I was at Brown, I went to New York a lot and I met Shepard Ferry in New York and he, he's still one of my closest friends. And wow. that is a picture he did in 96, I think, of uh, uh, the Black Panthers holding up giant, like it says that. Uh, seven, four, five, 20, like under the giant kind of thing, but it's sprayed in gold paint. So it's like gold. Wow. Like um, so he took the photo. No, he's, oh. that's a print. That's a, oh. that's a print done from a photo. Like, okay. it's, it's, you know, how he does that. Yeah. He, yeah. It's what's behind, and what's behind it's you? What? What are those behind you? Okay. Oh, these things are from my friend, Claudia Parducci, who's an artist. And so she does these amazing amazing she's amazing she does she does this thing I have in my living room um morse code where like she does these big blocks of morse code and the one I have is that um I'll fuck you if you save me like like morse code (laughs) (laughs) so like it's this huge thing but like in morse code so like she does this really like cool like just really well thought out like beautiful like feminist like amazing things and these were from a study she was doing and these were on the floor of her studio these three things and they were like rubbing she was trying to get the right thing and she wrote on them like lightly thinned over varnish full strength over varnish and they were on the floor 
like she'd done all these studies and I was like, can I have these? And I just framed them because I thought it's her process and it just reminds me of how much work goes into shit. So it inspires me. I love that. That's very yeah. cool. So That's, maybe yeah. we can show some of those in the show notes. Cause I think people will be curious about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah. If you could describe your work in one word, what word would you use? Um, it's just like emotion on the paper. So I guess it would be like emotional, Yeah, but maybe not emotional. I don't know. Like, uh, like, uh, almost like connected or something. Yeah, I'm connected to them. Like, I don't have kids. And like, I look at some of my pictures, like those are things I created. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so like, they're not that many, like it's hard to get one. Like, it's not like it comes in every shoot or whatever, but like when I have one, I usually know when I've taken it right when I've taken it. What do you feel? And then I know, I feel it when it happens. Like I could feel it. You know what I what mean? Do, like what happens? Does like the hair raise up on your neck or does your body tingle or what is that it's sensation? A it's a high. Yeah. It's just like you get, I get high, you know, and it's <laughs> like it's the best high. It's like you're in the flow. They yep. talk about flow or whatever. It's the best feeling in the world. Um, it's the feeling I'm chasing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. To get that picture. It's like, I think anybody that does works on something for a long time or whatever, if you can put the work into it and then you've, you can get it. It doesn't happen all the time, but it does. It keeps you going, kind of keeps me going at least. Uh, Honestly, Elizabeth, we could, I would really like to talk more and uh, I'm sorry that we kind of need to wrap it up, but Suzanne. and It's been an absolute joy uh, speaking to you, Elizabeth. So uh, I will wrap it up. Our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco and Santa Fe. Go to neilmodern.com slash podcast to get show notes, see photos and post comments. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. And please leave reviews and ratings, especially if you like us. We get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. If you know someone who might get something from us, send them a link. Thanks to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music, Elizabeth Daniels for joining us today, and all of you for hanging out. We appreciate your attention and hope we've given you some things to think about. Until next time.